All right. Hi, everybody. Um, good to be here. Uh, my name is Bob O. Oh, uh, I'm an addict. Um, I'm primarily an NA guy. Uh, so if you've been to an NA meeting, you know that these old NA guys, like before they share, sometimes they rattle off like this whole, like, this is my recovery, my, sec my clean date, and this is my, my sponsor as a sponsor, my sponsor sponsor as a sponsor. They, they do this whole thing, and I can't do it. So um, I've never memorized it. But um, I will just try to get some of that information out um, as, I'm, as I'm going along. So, uh, so my clean date is 9-22-20. Um, so I'm about a year and seven months in. Um, it's been really good, uh, a really good uh, period of my life. Um, primarily do the secular NA meetings here in Seattle uh, and worldwide now. Um, and I really like these speaker meetings. Like this is actually one of my favorite formats for the meetings just because I'm an English major at heart. Um, I've always been an English major. So um, just like hearing people's stories, you know, um, I really like uh, kind of getting in depth um, about how how people see themselves and uh, and their their kind of life history in the world and stuff and and so you know I I have in my recovery I have tried to um, when when people ask me to do something I try to say yes right like if I can um, and so I've, I've I've done this kind of uh, speaker type thing a couple times before and uh, I'm always like I'm always kind of insanely honored by it right like I'm like oh who me right like as if I'm being asked to give a TED talk or something or like it's some uh, awards ceremony speech or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know why it kind of, it kind of goes to, uh, you know, these, these are the kind of poles of my, of my addiction, right? It's like the, everybody look at me, everybody stop looking at me, don't look at me, right? This like this need for admiration and love. And then also this equal need to not be judged or criticized, right? Like this fear of, of, of judgment. And so, um, so yeah, I, I actually, I, I tell the story a lot. So maybe you might, some of some people here might've heard it, but you know, when I was a kid, I heard that, that Socrates quote, you know, there's a Socrates quote where he says, um, the unexamined life isn't worth living, right? And uh, you know, it just goes to show the kind of, you know, beginning of addict thinking, right? Where it's like, when I heard that as a kid, I thought that meant like, if other people weren't examining your life, your life isn't worth living, right? Like if other people aren't like, you know, admiring you and like, oh, I got to find out about this guy or whatever, like that, that made you worthless, right? Um, and so I think, you, you know, to me, um, what I'm doing in recovery is really trying to examine my life, right? Um, and not, not live the way that I, I had for many years, which is like doing things to uh, try to impress other people or please other people or whatever, right? Like I think there is a strong, um, you know, a, a need to develop the ego sometimes, um, uh, in recovery, um, in addition to developing humility, right? Because like I said, I think it is that, that kind of those two poles, right? Like the, the narcissist is secretly afraid of, of being judged or criticized. And, and the person who's really humble, really secretly sometimes, um, you know, wants to be out in front and have everybody admiring them or whatever. So anyway, um, so, so I have been thinking a lot about my life over this past year and seven months. And, um, and trying to figure out, you know, like what, what happened with me, you know, and what, what is happening with me. And so, um, so I'll just do a little bit of, of the life story. I, you know, I, some of it, I, I, sometimes I look back at it and I think like, well, there really wasn't anything there that like could, would suggest that I'd become a drug addict or whatever. Um, but, um, but maybe there is, I don't know. So, you know, I was born in Western New York, um, which people, people hear that and they think like, oh, New York, like Manhattan, Park Slope and stuff. It's, well, New York's a big state, right? And so <laughs> Western New York is, um, 
kind of uh, it's kind of like the Midwest. It's kind of like the industrial Rust Belt, uh, kind of a conservative traditionalist place. Um, so that was kind of how I grew up, right? And um, you know, I, from the very beginning, I I did not fit in there. I had a, I had a pretty normal family life, I think. Um, my my dad was kind of angry when I was growing up, and so I that made it tough for me to identify with him. But um, you know, no no crazy trauma or anything like that. But um, you know, I just never fit in in this kind of like um, you know, hunting, fishing, uh, football, you know, all that 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 whole milieu, right? Of like uh, kind of macho, um, you know, tough guy. Uh, that just wasn't me, right? And, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you're surrounded by the culture that you're surrounded with, it's kind of all you know. And so, you know, I just, I never felt like I fit in. As I got older, I was bullied a lot, uh, you know, junior high, high school, that whole thing. Uh, just wasn't an easy, uh, it just wasn't easy, you know, it wasn't an easy environment for me. And and I kind of knew that there was there was something else out there, right? Like I kind of suspected that there was something, you know, out in the, the greater world that that maybe I could connect with. But um, but yeah, you know, I just didn't know. And um, you know, when it comes to religion, you know, my parents my parents found religion um, when I was maybe eleven or twelve, and um, we started going to this uh, this Dutch uh, Christian Reformed church. It's a Dutch uh, old conservative Dutch denomination, and um, you know, I, I actually kind of liked it. I actually, I, I got really into it, you know, and I think, uh, you know, despite the fact that I'm a non-believer now, you know, I, I understand the religious impulse, I think. And, um, you know, I really like the aspect of the church where it was like um, kind of radical self-examination, right? Like look within, um, you know, take the, take the beam out of your eye before you take the moat out of your neighbor's eye, right? Like that whole thing. Um, you know, to me, that was just really attractive, and it, it really seemed kind of noble. Um, so, so I was, I, I, I went along with that. You know, I, I really liked that. Um, you know, and it wasn't until it was maybe like around college age when, when I just realized I didn't believe in it. You know, no, no strong uh, animus toward religion or anything like that. I just, um, I just kind of fell away from it because I just didn't think that the things that they said were true were objectively true. Um, so anyway, um, you know, as I got older and I was kind of dealing with this um, environment where I didn't, you know, feel like I was, I didn't have a lot of self-worth, things like that. Uh, you know, I started to develop this idea of, uh, uh, of becoming a writer, right? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I always liked writing, you know, I like telling stories and stuff. And I read Kafka's A Hunger Artist. And I was like, man, I want to do that. You know, like, I want to write like that. And so, uh, so, you know, I decided that, um, it was kind of a it was kind of a compensation thing, right? Like where it's like, well, you know, everyone thinks I'm a loser, but I'm secretly a genius, and I'm going to show them all someday, right? Like this is this is my secret power, right? That I'm going to going to make everyone I'm going to make everyone love me, and I'm make everyone regret that they you know thought I was nothing, you know that that kind of um, that kind of thing. Uh, by the way, I didn't realize any of this until much later, right? Like I thought I was just a genius, right? I thought I was a secret genius. And um, I was going to show the world, right? And so, th so that became my thing, you know, like I was, I was going to be a writer and, you know, it's like this justification for any way that I felt bad or any downturn in my life that took, well, it's like, yeah, but, you know, I'm a writer, man. So, you know, it's all going to work out for me. So, um, so at that point, you know, that, so that was about through high school, right? And uh, when I got into college, it was actually very different for me, right? Like I went away to this, um, 
liberal liberal arts school in this kind of crunchy little college town and you know it was the first time when I really felt uh, like uh, well first of all I got to college and I was like wow like nobody knows that I was a loser in high school right like I could just lie right like I could just make up a backstory for myself I could be a cool guy right like no no one would know any different um, and I, I didn't I actually didn't exercise that too much right like uh, you know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't uh, kind of confabulate, you know, some kids like go away to school and it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's like my dad's rich or something, right? Like I never did any of that, but, um, but it was really a time for me of, uh, you know, I got to redefine myself um, uh, in a certain way, right? Um, and I, I think what I learned was that, you know, regardless of the fact that I could do that and I could kind of leave some of the stuff from my childhood behind or whatever, it didn't completely go away, right? And I still kind of struggled with these feelings, right? Of, um, you know, that was a very happy time in my life, but I also felt very alone, you know? And uh, I felt like I couldn't connect with other people. And, uh, you know, I, I would see other people like kind of going to the dining hall with their friends and stuff. And I'd be like, well, why can't I have that? You know, like, why can't I just like have some kind of like social ease where I like make friends and stuff. And so that, so, you know, it was a very good period of my life, but it was, it was also difficult. And, um, you know, it wasn't until it wasn't until after school that I really started to get into drugs. Now I, I had kind of, um, you know, I drink, smoke pot, and stuff in in high school, and I and, uh, and of course, like uh, you know, at that time, I I I realized like, man, I like to go at this hard. You know, like other kids would kind of do it, and they'd be at a party or something. And you know, for me, it was like, well, I I come to the party so I can get get wasted right like I don't want to see any other people like I could I go to the party and like lock myself in the basement with a bottle or something um and uh so so I already knew that about myself kind of but um you know especially since so I'm in school and you know I'm, I'm like reading all these new writers and I'm like really getting into this like literature thing and and so of course all my literary heroes were all like drunks and addicts too right and so um so you know this was this is also not like a good there, there are a lot of factors coming into the situation that, that were going to cause me problems later on, right? Because, you know, I started to develop, like a lot of young writers, I think, develop this idea that like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, writing, you know, you know, working on your writing and improving your craft and stuff like that, that's important. But the main thing is to just like, get high, fuck around, have experiences, you know, whatever. So, you know, in a way that kind of became an excuse for a lot of the bad behaviors I developed. But at that time, you know, I still, things were still pretty on the level for me. It wasn't until, so, so I, I, I'd come out to Seattle after school. I, I had lived here for like a year. I was in AmeriCorps. I'd moved back to New York, you know, kind of done that thing that people do in their early twenties sometimes where you're kind of trying to figure things out. And I, I finally decided I was gonna come back to Seattle. I was gonna move here, 2004 came out. I had a buddy from uh, college. He was living out here, got moved in with him. And um, that was the first time for me that, uh, that, that drugs were readily available. Right. And like anything I want, um, you know, I kind of come to this bigger city and it was also like, I was 3000 miles away from my parents. Right. Like, you know, I still hadn't exercised really fully that like need to uh, rebel you know, in college, right? Cause I was in the same state, you know, I went to school. My parents were only a couple hours away, but here it was like, wow, I'm an adult. No one's around. Nobody knows me. I can just do whatever. Right. And so that's, that's what I did, man. Like I, um, I, <laughs> I, so I showed up in Seattle and like almost immediately I met this dude at a party 
uh, Jose Cuervo. I, it took me a long time to realize that wasn't his real name, right? Like, um, you know, I, I believe that. But, um, you know, Jose Cuervo is what I what I call like a reverse drug dealer, right? Because, you know, usually like with a real drug dealer, like you're like, okay, I want like 10 of these and a gram of this or, you know, whatever. Uh, and with him, he would just call me and be like, yeah, meet me at Cowan Parks and, and bring 500 bucks, right? And, and like, I would do it, right? Because it didn't matter. Like, as long as I was getting fucked up, I didn't care, right? And so he kind of knew he had a good customer on his hands. And, and, and that's how the whole thing really got rolling for me. And this is also at the time um, in, in, in the US when, um, you know, you could just go on a website and say, oh, you know, like I have anxiety, um, I'm obese, uh, I'm this, I'm that. And like, there was no real like checks and balances. There's no real like, um, they would just send you drugs, right? Like they'd send you pharmaceuticals. Uh, doctors would prescribe it, you know, sight unseen, just fill out a questionnaire. And so I, so I got really into that as well. And, um, you know, that's, that's how things really started to spiral for me. And I remember it, this was about 2007, right? So I remember thinking at that time, um, you know, like I had this experience where I, so I would always have like, I had this briefcase, right? And it, I would always have this briefcase full of drugs, right? And it's like all my different drugs, I was collecting them, you know, like just have all these drugs. So it's like, I want to feel like this, I take this, and I want to feel like that, I take that. And, uh, you know, I had this briefcase and I remember thinking like, you know, as a, as a sentient being, it's really my right to feel however I want. And so I'm just, by doing all this, I'm just pursuing my natural rights, right? And, and that I think, you know, you can't like really pinpoint, right? Like where, or like the specific date your addiction began or whatever, but that to me was really the beginning of trouble for me. You know, like all the all the pieces were kind of there before, but that was when I really started to, um, you know, mentally, theoretically, metaphysically, whatever, started to get myself into trouble where I started to think like, yeah, like I'm totally justified in just doing whatever I want, regardless of the consequences to me or other people. Um, you know, and this is this is how I'm going to do it. Right. It's like if I feel bad about something, I'm just going to take this. And if I feel tired, I'll take this. And if I feel, you know. If I need to go to sleep, I'll take this, right? And so I was going to completely manage my life through chemicals. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think probably a lot of people here <laughs> have had a similar experience, right? Where it's like, yeah, like, you know, you think, you think it's going to work, right? Like you think um, that one thing, well, you know, this is, so like, you know, the first, first time I did ecstasy, right? Like the first time I did ecstasy, I took it. And, you know, there's this cliche, right? Like that you sometimes hear in the media, right? Where like people say like, Oh, the first time I took a drink, that's I, I thought, wow, this is how normal people feel, right? And so the first time I did ecstasy, I remember. So I remember thinking that because, of course, I've heard that before, and I was like, wow, this is how normal people must feel. And I was like, normal people don't feel like they're on ecstasy all the time, right? Like, I, it's like, yeah, I know that, right? Like, I know that's not true, but you know, like that was the kind of thought that played in my head, right? It's like because it really didn't matter to me like what normal people felt like, right? Like it didn't really that it was just like that was how I wanted to feel all the time. And so, so that was my story to myself is like, well, there's something wrong with me and I just need to take these drugs because I, you know, other people don't have to worry about this, but like, I'm just doing for myself. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that was, uh, that was my problem. Right. And, um, you know, so rolling into like 2008, so I was working at a, I was working at an elementary school and I was starting to, um, just really, just really. <laughs> fall apart, right? Like I was rolling into the school in the morning and, you know, there's kids around, right? And I'm like bleeding out of my nose and, you know, like I haven't, I haven't slept for three days or whatever and just looking like, you know, terrible. And uh, 
And I realized like that really wasn't going to fly at like a grade school, right? So, uh, so I quit, you know, and this is something that I wound up doing um, again and again, right? Like I just, um, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't wait around to get fired. I just quit. And so I quit that job and I got, I got another job um, driving a delivery van, right? For organic vegetables. And I, and I went back to grad school, right? Cause that was, that was a great idea. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing all these drugs. I'm going to grad school. I'm driving the van. This is just a toxic combination. And then um, one of these guys who I'd met, um, who I would buy drugs from was like, hey, you know, uh, I've been watching you and I, you know, I think, I think you could, you could handle this. I think you could do what I do. And, you know, like <laughs> that, as, as I kind of mentioned, right? Like that kind of stuff, that flattery, right? It's like, that's poison to me, right? Because I was immediately like, yeah, I want to do it, right? Like, I want to, I want to do it. I want to help you. And, you know, later on, actually, so I, at, at the time I was hanging out with all these art school kids, we would do drugs together and stuff. And <laughs> later on, like one of those other guys, I was talking to him about it. He was like, oh yeah, that dude said the same thing to me, right? Like he was saying that to everybody, but like you were just the only person that fell for it, right? So I became this guy's like employee, right? Like I became his like, you know, you know how drug dealing works like Amway, right? Like, so he recruited me and so blah, blah, blah. So I started selling drugs and, you know, that was, um, that was, that was another kind of, bad turn for me, right? Because then it was just always there. It was just always there at my house. And so it was just 24-7, right? So I'm, I'm driving a delivery van. I'm going to uh, grad school. I'm selling drugs. I'm up all night doing drugs. Um, you know, I started to get paranoid and stuff. Um, you know, just all that, that, that craziness, right? Like all the madness that comes with just dealing with street people, right? And like, you know, having these dudes like just walking around my house, like late at night, right? Like waiting for me to come out or something. Like it's just, just nuts stuff. And um, so not surprisingly, I, I dropped out of grad school. Uh, that was the first thing. Um, I started to get into car accidents. I mean, the, I guess you could call it accidents, right? It's like it's, I kind of knew what was going to happen um, because uh, I was so fucked up. I mean, I never, I, never, I never drove the company trucks when I was high. Like I, I, I would, you know, I'd just be like uh, hungover and haven't slept in two days or something. And so, um, so yeah, you know, I started to get into car crashes. Uh, I had a guy kick in my door, a rival drug dealer, whatever you want to call it, kicked in my door and robbed me, uh, tore the safe out of the wall, uh, tore the door off the hinges. Uh, I had a guy overdose in my bedroom floor when I was reading in one of my stories, he lived. Uh, I had Narcan, he lived. Um, so, you know, things started to get nuts, basically. And, um, you know, after all of that stuff, I, I got fired from my job and I was deeply in debt and credit card debt, right? Because I was like, I was selling drugs, but of course I was just doing them all. And so, uh, so you know, that didn't work either. And, uh, you know, I just, I just, everything fell apart, right? So that's like the classic, right? Like when you hear people in 12-step meetings or whatever talk about like their bottom, right? Like that was, that was my bottom, right? Like that was the worst it ever got for me where it's just no job. That was in 2009 too. So that would like, no, people were getting fired left and right because of the recession. And so, um, you know, like unemployment was backlogged. I couldn't get unemployment. Like that was just a mess, right? So at that time, I actually stopped stopped using for like two months, right? Like I didn't do anything. Um, and uh, so funny thing about this, right? So like, I always had this thing with, um, with like well-known or well-regarded writers, right? Where it's like, if, if a, if a well-regarded writer is alive, I, I couldn't read their work because if it was bad, I'd get angry. 
And if it was good, I'd get jealous. Right. So like, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And so, you know, that, that was at, at that time, um, you know, 2008, that's when David Foster Wallace died. And so at that point I was like, well, now I can read Infinite Jest. You know, people have been saying I got to read this book, but now that he's dead, I can actually do it. So I won't get jealous. So I read that book and that book's actually about addiction to recovery, right? And it actually kind of portrays recovery, I would say in this, um, in this kind of noble light, you know, kind of, kind of like what I was talking about with the church before, right? Where it's like this idea of like, you know, in self-inquiry and, um, you know, just really, um, you know, taking responsibility for yourself and things like that. And, and so that was kind of where the seed got planted for me, right? With like, um, you're like, hey, man, maybe I could do that. That seems like, that seems like a good thing. It seems, it seems like that's the kind of thing a person like me would do, right? Because I think a lot of like this drug stuff, right? Like when I, so when I stopped selling drugs, like when all that stuff happened and I stopped selling drugs, I remember walking out of my house down Broadway and, uh, you know, I was walking in this crowd of people down Broadway in Capitol Hill, Seattle. And I was like, I'm nothing now, right? My whole identity was was bound up in being this cool guy, right? Like all the things that I didn't get in high school, right? Where it's like, you know, you're a drug dealer. So it's like, people got to be nice to you or else they won't get their drugs. And like, people got to say you're cool. And, you know, you think you're really cool and stuff. And, and you know, a, a, after I stopped, I was like, I'm nothing. I'm nobody now. Like, I'm just another loser, like all these people on the street. Um, but I think so much of it is that, right? It's like, you know, until I could think of myself as the type of person who would get into recovery, I couldn't do it until I could think of myself, you know, like what at the time I thought of myself as a drug dealer, I had to unlearn that, right? Like I had to think of myself as somebody else in order to, to become somebody else. And so anyway, um, so yeah, I had a brief period of sobriety, right? Like I was, uh, I had about two months or so and started drinking again and, um, you know, uh, it never got as bad for me again, right? Like, um, you know, I was a functional addict for about 10 years after that, right? Like I could hold down a job for a couple of years until I got angry and quit. I could have a relationship, uh, you know, until the lies started to build up too much and I had to bail, you know, two, two years or so was about my limit for that. Um, you know, and I was, I was using on the weekends and, um, you know, taking like, uh, taking benzos during the week or whatever, but I was partying on the weekends and, you know, like, uh, I was, I was living the dream, man. I mean, like that was, you know, it was like, great. Right. Like I'm doing this successfully. Right. But I felt miserable. Right. Like I just felt terrible. And, uh, you know, for like 10 years I did that. And I remember actually, like I was, when I first got into recovery, I was talking to one of my ex-girlfriends and she was like, yeah, you know, in 2007, you told me that you felt like you had a problem with drugs and you wanted to stop. Um, you know, and so it, it wasn't like this, uh, it wasn't like I didn't know, or like I was shocked or whatever, like, um, you know, it was a long time coming. Right. And, um, you know, for me, like, I always say like, well, I never relapsed cause I never tried. Right. Like I never tried to get sober. So I never relapsed. Right. Like, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, I was just, I just felt stuck. Right. And, and my writing had completely gone by the wayside. Like I wasn't doing anything creative at all. And I just felt really stuck in this, um, you know, in this rut where I was just uh, getting by or something, right? Like I felt like I needed to, to push myself in a certain way or, you know, I just felt like um, I was wasting my life, you know? Uh, I'm 43, right? So uh, about halfway through, I guess, give or take. And it's like, um, you know, is this like 
hanging out with these like you know people that are 10 or 15 years younger than me and like partying or whatever like it just didn't seem like that's what I wanted to do with my life anymore right like I just felt there's something wrong and um you know I just started kind of drifting towards sobriety right like uh, this is a uh, you know a little bit before the pandemic maybe 2019 something like that and you know I just uh I was like well you know I, I really want to cut down on my um, on my coke use so the best way to do that is to just stop drinking right because it, you know I noticed this thing about myself where it's like I, I as soon as I finish the second beer I'm like let's do coke or whatever so um so yeah I stopped drinking I, I took a year off drinking and I was actually able to do it and um and it did actually help me cut down on my other drug use a little bit, not completely, but, um, but you know, it, it did help. And so, you know, I was just taking these little tiny steps, right. Where it was like, okay, I could do that. Maybe I could do the next thing. You know, maybe I could do the next thing. And um, I, I uh, so on uh, September 21st, 2020, I uh, decided I was going to attend an NA meeting, right. Like first time. Uh, so, so by the way, the, the back when I read Infinite Jest back in 2009, you know, when I read that, I was like, yeah, maybe I should get into this. You know, this seems cool, right? Like this recovery stuff. But uh, you know, what 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 kept me away from it was like, I I was like, there's no way. There's one thing I could never do, and that is, I could never, um, I could never like find people that I'd hurt and apologize to them, right? Like I could never do that. I could never like, you know, it's just not me. Um, so that kept me out of recovery, right? Like I was like, yeah, that I just, you know, I don't like admitting I'm an addict, right? Like I've known that a long time, like, you know, the kind of write and reflect stuff, like, yeah, no problem. Like I can, I can do that. But when it comes to going up to another person that I've wronged and saying, Hey, you know, like I, I know I screwed up and I'm sorry, this is way, that's way beyond the pale for me. Right. I can't do it. And so, um, so I was like, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to this, uh, the secular NA meeting because you know, maybe they won't like, uh, they'll be less like dogmatic about stuff and they won't try to force me to apologize to anyone or, or whatever. <clears throat> so, so that's what brought me into secular NA. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a believer, but I'm, I'm comfortable with religious language and stuff like it. I, I mean, that's not great for me, but it doesn't really bother me. You know, like I don't, I don't really mind. And, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable around religious people and stuff, but, but really it was that, that, that brought me into secular NA. It was just this, this like, yeah, I just don't want, I don't want dogmatism and I don't want people telling me, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that or whatever. So, um, so yeah, that brought me in and, uh, you know, I, 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 I got sober during the pandemic. Um, so it's all been Zoom for me. Uh, I have not been to an in-person, I've, I've met people in recovery in person, but I've never been to an in-person 12-step meeting or other meeting. Um, you know, I, I I might not, if it hadn't been for the pandemic and Zoom and stuff, I might not have come in, right? Like, you know, I might've been too embarrassed or whatever. And so, uh, you know, people, a lot of people like old timers and stuff will say like, oh, wow, you know, you, you got clean during the pandemic. Wow, I can't believe you did that. That's really amazing. But like, to me, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I could have done it the other way. You know, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm Gen X, right? Like tail end of Gen X. And so it's like stuff like online is like more comfortable for me. Um, than, uh, than in-person stuff. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I mean, I, 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 I always say like, I, maybe I surprised myself. I don't think I really surprised myself. Right. But, um, I kind of had for so long, I'd kind of had such a low opinion of myself that it was really kind of like remembering that, you know, like I can do stuff like this, right. Like, um, you know, with, 
just seeking out a little bit of help, you know, um, you know, you can, you can do it, right? Like I can do this. And so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's really my story. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a year and seven months in, so I'm still learning. Um, you know, for me, one of the things that like, so for something like this, right. Like where, okay, you got to tell your story. Right. And so then I'm like, okay, well, I'll, um, I'll, I'll try to think of, I'll try to think of something that goes along the lines of what other people have said in other meetings. Right. Cause I don't want to deviate too much from the formula. I don't want people to criticize me or, or not like it, or, you know, it's too weird or whatever, you know, strange or poetic or something. And so, you know, the, so my, my first impulse is to always just like, okay, is this, is this enough within the lines, right? Like, am I doing, am I doing enough to just fit in? Um, and, and so, you know, that's, that's been the biggest thing for me. It's like, okay, if I have a chance to tell my story, if I have a chance to, you know, just even interact with other people in a meeting or whatever, like, um, you know, what do I really want to say? Like, what do I, not what's expected of me or what I think people expect of me, but like, what is it that I want to say? And how is it that I want to relate to other people? And, you know, that's because I haven't been doing that. This is a, this is a chance for me to learn stuff that I did not practice when I was younger. Right. Like, um, you know, it's, it's a growing experience. So anyway, I think that's it. I think that's my story. So, um, hopefully you got something out of it. I, I hope you did, but, um, if not, there'll be another one next week. So thanks again for everybody for listening and it was good to see you all here.